open up your Bibles to Romans, the 16th chapter. We're going to begin reading in the third verse, and it says, and he's ending this letter that he's written, and he said, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Apentius, who is the first fruits of Achaia in Christ, which means he was one of the first ones out of that area who were saved. It says, greet Mary, who labored much for us. Uh, verse 7 says, greet Andronicus uh, and Juna, Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoner or prisoners. In other words, when Paul talks about a prisoner, he wasn't literally in jail, but he had a call and he was responding to it. These people had the same call he did. It said, who are of note among the apostles. In other words, these guys that he's named are also apostles and they're of note. They're, they're recognized. People know them. He said, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus and our fellow workers in Christ, our fellow workers in Christ and Stichus, or however you want to pronounce it, my beloved. Aren't you glad I wasn't your school teacher? Uh, I'd be merry, uh, some, uh, uh, and then everybody would laugh at you. But I tell people, if you act confident when you say this, then they'll start pronouncing it like that, and they'll think, oh, that's, I got it, had it wrong all those years. Verse 11, greet Herodian, my countrymen, greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena, Tryphosa, who labored in the Lord, greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Verse 13 says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. So we could keep reading, but he's just kind of saying, hey, so-and-so works in the children's church, you know, they're doing, a, they're working away, these these people, this one, you know, they, they served this way and they did this and you just go through the names. So it's all real good, right? I mean, it gives us an idea that it is good to recognize because the Bible said, know those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. And there are positions that are given. But I want to look at something maybe a little bit different in verse 11. And it's actually in, uh, well, we'll... we'll do it in verse 7 and maybe look at some others, but there's a phrase that keeps repeating itself. In verse 7, it says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. Notice this phrase, and it's real interesting, who also were in Christ before me. Notice that phrase. Is that you're letting your eyes see that? Who were in Christ before me? Who were in Christ before me? If it was written today, this may be how all this stuff would be written. Oh, so-and-so works over here. They're saved. Oh, Junius, these guys, they're apostles. They were saved before me. 
But why did it not say that? And why doesn't it mention it? Why does it make this term in Christ? In, did you notice how many times it kept saying that? Again and again, almost all the verses started saying about these people, they labored much in the Lord. They were chosen in the Lord. Uh, they were in the Lord. And then these guys were in the Lord before. I wonder if that's important. Or why, why have we maybe taken the idea? Now, it's good to know we're saved, you know, and recognize we're saved. But knowing we're in the Lord or a believer who has received Christ is in the Lord, there might be something to it. And uh, I know this, if you don't see things properly, you know, you know, you don't see things properly. If we, one thing I know about Arizona, it's important to have tinted windows or it's a value, I guess. Before I moved to Mesa and I'd lived in Gold Canyon, there's a low light thing out there. And me, being as smart as I am, I said, I want darker tint. And so when I would go to drive out of my neighborhood at night, I'd go to drive out, look out the window. You couldn't see things. I'm thinking, man, this is not good. You have to roll down the window or pray and go. <laughs> but you're not seeing what is there. And many times... Uh, how you see is are really not many times always how you see is super important. You've ever heard this phrase before? They see things through rose-colored glasses. What does that mean if you see everything through rose-colored colored glasses? That you look like Elton John? You know, because he always had those big old things when we were little. I used to think, what is his problem? The only people who went to Disneyland when I was a kid had the big, huge glasses like that. And I, but they were colored. But when people have colored glasses, they see everything shaded that color. And in life, I wonder if these are glasses that we're supposed to always be looking through, so to speak. Because it's mentioned again and again, in Christ, in Christ I was, they were in Christ before me. In other words, they were in him. That's how he looked at things. He looked at things through his position and looked at them as though they were in the Lord. Not just saved and over there, but in him. And if we don't think like we're in him once we're saved, we could think, okay, I'm just this junky thing, you know, I got saved, God bought me, and I am what I am. But in the Bible, it talks about everybody who's saved gets put into Christ. It's interesting to me that he brings it up again and again and again, and he had this perspective about looking at people and going, they're in Christ. He didn't say, oh, they're saved, though they were saved, but he said, they're in Christ. He looked at them like they were in the Lord. They didn't have their merit on their own. They had their merit in Christ. And he looked at them like that. And so if Paul saw this this way, he obviously looked at things through some kind of filter, which I would say would be a truth. And uh, we should look at people like that. I think it would be important. 
Paul seemed to think it was, if you believe he's the one who wrote this. But look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. Paul recognized these people in the Lord. How do you recognize people? Do you recognize them as in the Lord or out of the Lord? Because that's all they are. They're either in or they're out. They're either in him or out of him, period. And if you're saved, you're in him. You're in his body, he's the head, and you're in him. And why is this important? Well, kind of getting ahead of myself, there are truths that will unlock themselves when you start looking and thinking like I'm in Christ. I know this, if you know, the word godliness in the Bible literally means a God word added toward, to, toward God that, you know, causes you to have your life dictated or, you know, by him. In other words, if you're conscious of him all the time, you're going to be thinking about things in a different light. And you'll be acting in a different light. And so he looked at people like that. But I believe Paul also looked at himself because he said, they were in the Lord before me. So that meant he saw himself this way. So he thought through these glasses, I'm in the Lord. Many people don't. They're Christians and they look at themselves based on how they've done things, what they've done, how good they are. Instead, in other words, they're measuring themselves by themselves. Paul said in the Bible, those who measure themselves by themselves are not wise and among themselves. Why? If you only see yourself for who you are in yourself, you're going to miss it because you're never going to achieve a proper level in God. So you have to see yourself the way God does. And how does God see people? Notice this in 2 Corinthians. This might be one of those verses too that people might just skate by, so to speak, or look at it and go, oh, there we go. But notice 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, and the 17th verse. It said, we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. So he said, there are people out there that are peddling the word of God or putting the word of God out. Hey, so many. He didn't say just a few. He said so many people out there are peddling the word of God. Boy, that doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? It literally says adulterating for gain. But he said there's a lot of people. So guess what? Some things don't change. So does that mean we should freak out? No, we should be wise. And so he said, there are many out there, and he said, who, ped, who are peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, and he said, we're not like them, but we are sincere or have sincerity, but as from God. He said, we're sincere and we're from God. What we're doing, we're being sincere. And here's the thing, God looks at our motives. I always think about this. I think it doesn't matter what you think. And it doesn't matter. And it, it shocks me sometimes. I think, don't say that on TV. Don't, don't, don't do that. We're going to all stand before him. You're going to regret that unless they're just being honest and they don't know better. 
you know, there's some good people out there, but there's others peddling. And so no matter what, if I'm up here just putting on a big game and a good show, I'm still going to give an account. So you might as well do it right. Right? But notice this phrase. He said, I'm not like them, but of sincerity, but as from God. In other words, I'm doing this sincerely, and I am sent from God. He said, we speak concerning giving the word. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. So when God, he said, listen, this was a reality he had. He said, well, I'm up here talking to you guys, and I'm preaching to you guys in the sight of God. He's looking at me. He's not just looking at me. He's looking at you. There's nobody hidden from the sight of God. But how does he look at you? Does he look at you like you look at you, or do you look at yourself in a different way than he does? Paul had this reality about him, and he said, I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm being sincere. I'm sent from God. He is looking at me, and he's seeing me speak this way. He knows it. And he sees me in Christ. In other words, the filter, the way that God looks at me, he looks at me through a filter. How does he look at you? Well, I don't know. Here's the problem. God can have a view of you that's reality, and you can have a wrong view of yourself, and it not even be reality, but it's the way you think it is. In other words, if you're saved, you need to start looking at yourself like you're in Christ. That's how God looks at you. He doesn't look at you outside of him if you're saved. If you're saved, he looks at you just like he looked at Paul. Now, whether we're sincere or what we do is totally different. But he looks at me, he sees me in Jesus. When he looks at you, if you've given your life to the Lord, he looks at you in Christ. You need to wear that. What do I mean? When you're out talking, when you're out walking, when you're out working, when you're praying, when you go to pray, see yourself in Christ. Why? Because then you're not trying to measure up yourself to get an answer to prayer. God sees me in Christ. Therefore, when I pray, I'm not standing in my own merit. It's how God looks at me. But what happens is we look at ourselves in ourselves and we get discouraged and we don't use confidence, which is faith. And we go, oh God, I don't know if you want to do this. And you know, I've done three things. Well, four, okay. All right, you saw I did five. You know everything wrong. And you don't see yourself in Christ. You see yourself based on your own self. But when you enter in to pray, you're entering in in Christ. He may look at you one way, but if you rob yourself of confidence... Because you don't see yourself in Christ, you see yourself in who you are, then you're going to pray weak prayers, and you're going to pray unbold prayers, and you're going to act unbold, and because you're just thinking, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're in Christ, and there ain't no junk in Christ. You've been washed. I mean, we sang all those songs. We didn't make those up and went, oh, this is good. We need a washing song. Let's make a washing. Well, can we wash in? Well, how about the blood? How do you get, well, okay, we'll just do it. No, they're scriptural. But you need to see yourself in him. When you praise God, 
You need to see yourself in him. You know, when I first got saved, they'd tell you, well, you know, see yourself standing before the Lord and lifting your voice and just praising him. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think once we're saved and we gain a little bit of knowledge, we might want to see ourselves accepted in the beloved. That's what the Bible said, in Christ. So see ourselves in him. Ephesians said it this way. He said, we have access to the Father in Christ through him by one spirit. So his spirit's in me when I'm saved. And through him and in him, I have access. What makes me think because I'm living better or not as good that my own merit gets me there to be able to pray successfully or not? Can't be. Because then we don't need a savior. Because remember, he said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. That means you might not have done everything right. Hey, if I'm doing everything right, I don't need mercy. But he said, you could just come boldly and obtain it. Well, you can't obtain that on your own merit. You're getting that because of the Lord and what he did. And because you're his child. But you need to see yourself in Jesus. You look different in him than in your own self. And here's the thing. How many times in life have you ever looked at somebody and said, man, they've got potential? You ever looked at somebody and went, man, they've got potential? And some people know they have potential. And you're like, you've got potential. And they're like, no. No, no. And they're just playing it off so you'll feed them some more. Oh, yes, yeah, you. Oh, no. But then there are people you just look at them and you go, You got potential. And they're like, No, I don't. Or they won't even say anything. And they'll just think, Who are you? How many of us have been convinced about somebody else that we went, Man, they've got some goods in this area, in that area, in this? And they don't even see it. Now, I understand this. People can think wrong about you and it not be right. But there are times people see things in people, and, the, and it's true what they're seeing, and others are not, meaning themselves. So the person, the outside person could be right, and the person that's being looked at could have a total wrong idea about themselves. Could this be true in God? Well, it's getting awful quiet in here. Could this be true in God? So how in the world are we going to straighten ourselves out properly in God? Only in line with the truth. So I'm going to have to start looking at myself like I'm in Christ if I'm saved, period. I'm, if I am clothed with a shirt and I look down, I see myself with this shirt. If I put on a purple one, it would have been purple, pink, green, whatever the color, I, I put it on. Well, how do I put this on? I got to work on my mind and start thinking this way. I've got to, you can be conscious of anything you want to. Some Christians are conscious of the devil. It's all the devil. It's the devil. The devil's everywhere. The devil's everywhere. Listen, you need to be conscious of Jesus in the name of Jesus. The devil is out there, but we've got authority, so don't be all conscious about him. And it's so important. Well, you can get conscious of things. Just go watch a TV program that you like or some kind of 
show that you like, you know, one of those home things, and just go watch all those reruns. After a while, you're going to be thinking, oh, well, they did this to that door I noticed at the church. Ah, they could have finished it like this. Or you just start getting conscious of things. Why? Because you're thinking about it. You need to. Listen, you need to start thinking if you're saved like you're in Christ. Get your focus just off of you altogether and start thinking about, I'm in Him. Well, it'll boost you up because you in yourself don't, so to speak, you know what I mean, not the new you in Christ, but I'm saying just the raw you in Christ ain't going to measure up. Meaning, or the raw you outside of Christ. But I mean, you know, obviously we have abilities in him, but you need to think like I'm in him. And if you start thinking like this, you're going to start living with purpose. Why? Because where you go, you're going to become more conscious of my life is in him. I think sometimes some people do what they do because they're just not conscious of God. I didn't say they weren't saved. They're just not conscious of him. I mean a real reality and where these things start is what we do with our thinking in these areas. And it's amazing to me again and again when he first wrote that, he said, hey, they're in Christ, they're in the Lord. They were in the Lord before me. That's how he looked at them. How do you look at yourself? We need to start seeing ourselves in Jesus when we're saved. So here he said this, God now sees me this way. Well, I don't believe he was just saying that about him because there's too many other scriptures, but it does give God's perspective how he looks at us. If God looks at me a certain way, and I refuse to look at myself that way because I'm humble, is that humble? I see myself low. I just, you know, I don't like to do that. It just want lift me up. That's more prideful than people realize. It sounds so humble, but it's actually not. It's actually pride to not look at yourself the way God does. Because you're refusing him. And he's saying, no, I see you this way. Well, then when I start approaching the things of life, I'm going to see myself in Christ. And that's huge. How long does it take to become conscious this way? It's a process of life. It can get in your heart so much that when you start going to pray, you're thinking, I'm in him. And it's almost like, here we go, Father. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, and you're super conscious of being in him. These things are important. Notice this in Acts, the 17th chapter. An interesting verse here. And we'll just re read the first part for time's sake. Uh, a very familiar verse, but it has that little phrase in it again. Paul is talking, you know, he's ministering, reaching these people. In verse 28 of the 17th chapter, it says, For in him. It's an interesting phrase. In him. Where are you today? In him. But the question is not, where are you today? But where is your head today? Amen. 
reality may be that you've given your life to the Lord and you are legally in him, but you're thinking like you're not. You're not realizing the reality and there are benefits. He whose mind is stayed on him, he will keep him in divine perfect peace. Notice this. It says, for in him we live. That's where we got our life. In him we move. And in him we have our being. Where'd you get your being? Where'd you get your life? Where'd you get all that stuff? Somebody said, I don't even know if I got any of it. It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. You do. But here's the thing. People do certain things that help them tap into it at different times, like when we praise the Lord here at church or we, we hear the Word of God. But, one, but if you learn how to do this on your own, you can just tap in all the time. There's no reason why you can't walk in His fullness all the time. One of the main reasons why is we don't expect it. We don't think like it. We don't believe it. We don't think, ponder this way. Are you in Christ? Are you saved? How many are saved? You know, people are, oh, I'm saved. But then you say, are you in Christ? You're like, well, yeah, I'm trying. No. <laughs> you are or you aren't. You're, when you're saved, you are. But you maybe haven't been taught that way because we've emphasized salvation, which we should. Because, but this is salvation. This is not one thing and something else. This is what happens, right? Colossians, you know, 1, 13, and 14 said, giving thanks unto the Father who has translated us. Did the Star Trek thing. And beamed them out of the blowing up planet into the ship. Thank you, Scotty. But you think about it, they got translated, they were moved. He said, giving thanks to the Father who has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, or in Jesus, we have our redemption. We were bought back. How did it happen? God moved us in when we got saved. He moved us out and put us in. But do you think like you're in him? I'll tell you what, it'll make you go inside when you start thinking, I'm in him. You're not looking at you anymore. You couldn't get your own salvation. You couldn't be good enough to get an answer to prayer. You couldn't be strong enough to use the authority uh, of the believer until you're a believer. And then you use the name because it belongs to you because you're in him. When you start thinking like that and realize, I'm in him. That's who I am. And you can't go, well, you're not, you're not, I am. It's not an arguing thing, it's either you are or you aren't. If you're saved, you're in, period. What do you need to do? You need to adopt the right mindset because it is a biblical mindset and it will help you. It will begin to unlock realities of when you read the Bible. There's a hundred and something verses that say who you are in Christ. And God puts you there. You didn't put yourself there, meaning you received the Lord, but do you see yourself there? He does. Paul saw people like that. God sees us like that. But what's the key factor? Me. 
or you. You with me? Turn to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It's super interesting that if you really go and start looking at things like this, once we're in the Lord, we're in Him. But you may not be conscious of it, but it will affect you. And the way you get the reality of it is by thinking in line with the truth of the Word. That changes the idea of John 15, 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you could ask whatever you want and it would then be granted to you. Notice the phrase, if you abide in me. Once you get saved, you're in him. But how in the world do you know you're in him? Through the word. And he said, once you get that reality in you, that word abiding in you. He said, you could ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Not because you're special, but because you're in him. And in that sense, you are special because we're chosen. You know, I've talked to people and said this, and if I've talked to you about this, I'm not talking about you. But I've had people over the years tell me, man, I'm just praying for my loved ones. And, and I've, I've heard this probably last week and the week before and the week before. So I've heard this for years. I love them so much. God, I love them so much. Do this for them. You know how much I love them because I love them. Do this for them. Not always do I try to stop people when they do that, but sometimes I think it's good just to jerk somebody backwards. Why? I've said it like this. Why downgrade the whole thing to your love? You know I love them, Lord. Well, he's up there going, I love them more than you do. So move based on my love. No. Move based on your love. And how many people do that? Oh, Lord, you know how much I love them. But see, we have our own perspective about things. And we don't always have God's perspective. And then we get it and we don't think in line with it. And then we go, oh, God, you know how I love this person so much. So do that. He's up there going, okay, I can do it on your merit. But I love them way more than you do. Matter of fact, you don't have to love them at all. And I love them more than anybody else. But perspective is huge. Because what does that do to you when you go to pray? Oh, yes, God, you know. I mean, how many heartfelt prayers have there been based on my love or your love for somebody? There's been a lot, haven't there? Why don't we do them based on his love, who we are in him? It's a bigger, broader, stronger, better place. I mean, you're being moved by love. We've read these verses over the years. Peter, who traveled with Jesus, said that Jesus lived a life to show us, you know, how we ought to live. But then Jesus said some stuff. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, how God moves. 
isn't it peculiar and interesting that often the Bible said Jesus was moved with compassion and fed him? Jesus was moved with compassion, or we would say love, and healed them. And Jesus was moved with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. What was he doing? He was showing us that God loves people and it moves him. His love moves him toward people. And how many times have we tried to get something based on how much I love instead of going, hey, God, you love them way more than me. And Jesus was moved with compassion. You don't think he still moved that way if all Jesus was doing on the earth was, or not all, but one of the things he was doing was he was revealing the Father to us? He, he was helping to try to get our perspective right of how we could see how God is. But how many times do we approach him and say, well, you know, it's about me, and it's about how much I love, and you know how much I've been working at this. Why don't we say, you know, Jesus did a big, huge work, and you got a great love, so I'm going to approach on those terms. Otherwise, it's self-righteous. Amen. But it's perspective. Faith is an attitude based on truth. So if you've approached God and said, you know, I love them, he knows it. Didn't he say that to Peter? I know you do. Feed my sheep. And then finally he got all, he's like, well, you know everything, Lord. You know, after he denied him, God knows you love those people. I'm not saying take that away out of your prayer. But I am saying, why don't you add something? Instead of just approaching on how much you love and how much you want this to work out and how much you need this fixed, he needs it fixed too. He wants it worked out too. You with me? I mean, if God is for us, and if I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, he is way for us because he sees you in his son. When he looks at you as a believer, he looks at you like you're in Jesus, like you're one with him, Right? You know those verses that say those, you know, about receiving the Lord are one spirit with the Lord? What does that mean, one spirit with the Lord? Paul said it this way, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. His life is in me. God looks at you like you're one with Christ. You're not Jesus, but he looks at you like you're one. Because when he said you're one spirit in the Lord, what does that mean? If I have two apples, how many apples do I have? If I have two oranges, how many oranges do I have? Two. So if you're one spirit in the Lord, how many spirits are there? Two. Two oranges, two apples. No, there's one. Meaning your spirit is made new. You're one in the Lord. You are so joined to him. So why don't you couple your thinking to the truth? This isn't to condemn anybody, but we'll close with these verses right here. 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says this, and really the context before, you know, well, I mean, technically we could go back to Genesis, but, because there's good stuff everywhere, but that would, we wouldn't even get out of the first verse, and you guys would be like, when's lunch? And um, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all. 
Who did? Jesus. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, from this time forward, let that sink in. Now, this was written way back then, but we could say it to you. From now on, after what we've learned, from now on, notice this. Therefore, from now on, we regard or recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Or we don't know him that way anymore. We don't know Jesus after the flesh. That's not how we relate to him. We relate to him in heaven. We don't relate to him like a person here. And he said, from now on, we don't regard people just naturally. It's not what we do. Well, what was he saying? He said, if one died for all, then all were dead. So we can't regard people after the natural. We just have to look at them and recognize they're either dead in sins or they're alive in Christ. But notice the very next phrase. He tries to clarify how then we are to look at people. Therefore, if anyone, notice this phrase, is in Christ. Notice he didn't say, if anybody is saved. But we know this is salvation. But we know he's using a term on purpose so that we start seeing and they would see themselves in Christ. The Corinthian church was super carnal. They lived after the flesh. They got drunk. They committed adultery. They had false doctrine. They had bickering. They talked about one another. They were, they were hypocrites. I would never go to that church because it was full of hypocrites. Oh, wait a minute. It's written in the Bible. I'd go to church, but there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yeah, it's nothing new. Nothing new. You should come join in, hypocrite. But the issue is he wasn't trying to leave them there. Because we know that a work of the flesh is being a hypocrite. Because it says it. But he said in Christ, we're not that anymore. But people may act that way who are in Christ, but that's not appropriate. What do you need to do? You need to start seeing yourself in Christ. And so he said here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Why do you need to see yourself in Christ? Because there are things connected to that phrase. Like this, he is a new creation. That's a spiritual new creation. Old things have passed away. Not your hair, not your skin, not your mind. We renew our mind. We present our body, but your spirit is a new creation. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new spiritually. Notice verse 21, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, he never sinned, never did wrong, never was sick, never was broken down, never was oppressed. He was never any of these things, but he became sin for us. He became all that. He took stripes. He became oppressed. He became all that on the cross and when he was whipped, that we might be made or become the righteousness 
of God. Notice that phrase, in him. So when I see myself in him, I then must see myself as in good standing with God, clean, right. Not by your works. Because, see, that's what happens. You start measuring yourself by how you were. Why don't you just start seeing yourself in Christ? There are many, many things that are connected to who you are. And we're not to know anybody anymore after the flesh. We're to either know people as saved or lost, in or out, in Jesus or not. And if you're saved, you're in him. And you need to start thinking like that, right? Haven't you ever, when you were a kid, got corrected or maybe as an adult, you need to change your attitude, mister or missus. Anybody ever had that happen? You need to watch your attitude. I remember one time I got pulled over by a policeman. I asked him a question, and he got all fired up. He acted like I had a bad attitude. I said, listen here. Then I started having an attitude. I said, I'm not against you. I said, I'm for you. I said, I, I know I was speeding. And he just backed down. I said, I'm for policemen. As long as, you know, they're doing the right thing, I support them. But how many people approach with certain kinds of attitudes? And then you get corrected for it. Now, I'm not saying do that to the police. You better be careful. I've seen other people do stuff like that, and then they get bracelets and everything. And that means they and free rides in the car. And Oh, cool. That's not what I'm talking about. But I was trying to tell him, listen, I'm for you. And he just was all on edge and had this certain attitude. He needed to approach me different. He didn't know who I was. And sometimes we just need to get a change of attitude as a believer. Start seeing ourselves how we are. Well, nobody else sees me this way. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. You see yourself that way. 